Thanks for listening to our podcast. Peterson Toyota is your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tinmouth, and has been doing so for more than 50 years. Not only will you find the latest Toyota models, you'll also find a friendly and accommodating staff eager to assist you. You'll receive first-class attention, whether it be a service appointment, help picking out the right part for your Toyota, or test driving a new or pre-owned vehicle. If your heart is set on a new Toyota, come check out the 2024 Grand Highlander. They've got a demo to test drive and several others on the way. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will help you find the one that is right for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. Peterson strives to be the best in everything they do, and they will take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Canalamessa with Michael Rowe. Not going to be quite as enthusiastic as we were a week ago leading into the season opener as once again, the CSU Rams laid a massive egg to start the season. We still have not won a season opener since the day we opened Canvas Stadium in 2017. That's six years without winning the opener. That just sets... Everything off on a bad note, and um, you see the message boards. Obviously, people are pissed. You and I are pissed, Mike. Uh, Twitter is a mess with fans, people just going off the deep end, and I really have a hard time blaming them, quite honestly. Now, I don't like some of the some of the freaking vileness in which some of our fans post and going after you know coaches' wives and um, going after fellow posters people that are just trying to not jump off the bandwagon quite yet, you know, and trying to look for positives, they get completely shredded. And I just hate, I hate that mentality, but I do not blame anybody for, for the, you know, the mentality of like, I am, I'm done. You know, I just can't do this anymore. I, I can't blame them anymore. I really can't. And I had multiple friends that were at the game that night that said the same thing. Like, I cannot do this anymore. It's, I think there's just been a wall that's been hit. We've all just kind of hit that wall because it's been way too long. There was all the talk of, Hey, this could be, you know, Jay Norvell was setting us up with, you know, this could be a special year. He's talking about the Fiesta bowl. Freddie Banks is talking about what a special year is and how this is going to be different. we got all these offensive weapons. We'll just wait and see. We're going to come out and we got a lot to prove. And then, it was about as ugly as you could have imagined. What well, is the most awful product that they put on the field? Once again, like we can't even get one good quarter of product, you know, that you can enjoy one quarter before you get completely pissed off. Like I, I'm, I'm fed up with it. My family was there. I had all my family there. They were bored to tears. You know, my, my wife and daughters don't live for football. So they're sitting there like, this is terrible. I invited a bunch of friends and acquaintances to be there. Um, they all came and then you look like a moron for, for encouraging them to go to that just dismal performance. Now, granted, we all had fun at the tailgate and the, the pregame is what we've all lived for, for way too many years now, because the actual, once the game starts, it all goes to hell, but I'm just, I'm so over it. And I know you are as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I tried to stay off of Twitter, try to stay off the boards since Saturday, um, so that I don't say something <laughs> uh, that didn't work today. Sorry, Joel, for polluting the message board a bit by uh, dropping an F-bomb on somebody. But uh, so I am sorry that you had to put up with that. 
but you're right. Um, my sister and brother-in-law, they went to their first game since I want to say 2021, uh, maybe even 2019. It's, it had been a while since they had actually came up for a game. We throw this huge tailgate, get people that haven't gone to games for a while, get them there. And then we just come out and just look like crap. Uh, you, you know, in in two phases of the game, in two phases of the game, offense and defense, we looked so bad on Saturday night, and it's frustrating. And I literally text, you know, the my buddies that I'm going supposed to go to the Rocky Mountain Showdown with, um, in the fourth quarter, and said, "Should we sell our tickets, knowing what happened?" in Fort Worth earlier on Saturday and then what we were seeing Saturday night in canvas. And I'm like, should we sell them to some front running buff fan and make money instead of actually going just 36 miles, you know, up the road to watch this product against a team that is playing like their coach had said they would play from the jump. That's where I'm at. Rocky Mountain Showdown, we've talked about it. This was our Christmas. This was the one of yeah. the biggest days of the year. I have zero desire to go to it. And not just because we're going to lose. There's been plenty of years where going in, I thought, yeah, we're not going to win this game. But at least I knew it was going to be competitive, or at least I knew that CSU was going to show up. I don't know about that in two weeks. And why put myself through hell listening to all those jackass front-running fans who haven't been to Folsom in 10 years running their mouths at us because we're wearing CSU gear. It's going to be really ugly. Um, it's going to be really ugly fan-wise. You know, I I have to – I, I kind of feel like CU may come back down to earth a little bit um, in the next couple weeks, maybe even as soon as this week. Um you know, and I think we will play better. I, I don't know. I I just – I can't see them keeping that level of play up uh, every week, but we'll see. We'll talk more about that in a second. But uh, so what about um, – you know, I one one thing that's frustrating is is that people that are already saying they're not going to any more games. I mean, I, I, I do get it. Um, I get it. I just don't, you know – I don't think pulling all of your support after one game is the right thing to do. Cause let's, let's let uh, this play out a little bit longer. Um, but uh, you know, we spend way too much time. We spend money, uh, emotion and uh, bringing friends and family and inviting acquaintances and casual fans and leaving embarrassed and uh, frustrated. I mean, just, just, I was distraught last night or uh, Saturday night and uh, last night too. Well, I've, I've been distraught since the game. Yes, it's it has not faded a whole lot. My wife's like, why are you still moping around? <laughs> I'm like, I just, I can't shake it. It's just, it's it encompasses me. I love CSU football. I love, I, I wait all year for it. And that for it to just be that bad, it just really deflates you. But uh, I shared this story on the message board. And, you know, I, I got a message from a, a former CSU player um, Saturday night after the game. And, uh, he's a player from the early two thousands. He's now very successful in business. Um, he's followed the team since graduating 
way back and uh, he still loves CSU and, you know, he sees his friends and business partners donating these large sums to their, um, their alma maters, OU and Georgia were a couple of ones that he mentioned. And they were talking like half a million dollar type of donation. So these guys are doing well. And uh, <clears throat> so this former Ram said he was setting out, he was, he was ready. He had talked to the athletic department. He wants to make a large donation. I'm talking like over 300 K um, and was can't talk to the athletic department about, Hey, what's, what can be a plan for this? And um, you know, after the, the performance Saturday night, you know, he was so sickened by it. He's like, I, I just actually cannot do this. You know, I, I cannot, I cannot rationally do this. You know, there's, there's way too many other causes out there that are worth the time. And so you look at that and it's just a wasted opportunity. You look at, it's not just pissing off the 31,000 fans that were there and the students that, you know, you probably lost a, a chunk of the students that may not come back again. There's certainly a lot of alumni that aren't going to come back again. And now you're losing major opportunities for donations. Um, you know, and I get, I got a ton of other messages as well via text on Saturday night and through Sunday and Monday. And if I did not respond to you, by the way, if you texted me um, or if I was very short in my replies, I apologize, but I was just getting bombarded by people who were venting and asking me to vent back and, I just didn't have the heart. I didn't have, I didn't want to talk about it. Um, I had the life sapped out of me and I just did not have not wanted to talk too much about it, but um, the amount of text you should see um, just goes to show how, how fed up people are. I also heard from another former player um, from the nineties who was a high school coach in California. He was lamenting the loss. Like, here we go again. And he also threw in the fact that one of his former players that he coaches and uh, that he coached uh, in high school, who really wanted to come to CSU did not get any love. It was from one of our previous staffs. I think it might've been actually Bobo in his last year, but uh, this guy ended up at Wyoming, had a huge game against Texas tech Saturday night on the defensive side of the ball. He's actually uh, was a preseason mountain West defensive player of the year by the media. Um, you know, and this guy, this former Ram does love Norvell. He like he likes him, thinks he's going to be the guy, but just pointing out that all these missteps along the way are part of the reason why here we are again, um, just, just not pushing the right buttons and we are back to square one and I'm pissed, <laughs> Mike. So where, where, where are you pointing, um, a chunk of your blame for what happened Saturday? Man, <laughs> you know, the thing that bothers, bothers me the most is that we were told from the jump first press conference that this was going to be a team that plays fast. This was going to be a team that is plays a uh, up-tempo style of offense that is a basketball team with cleats on. They're going to be fast-breaking, all this. And that is not what we are in any way, shape, or form. And I don't know if this is on the, the staff, if this is on – Jay Norvell for calling the plays or if this is on the players which still goes back to the staff but if this is on the players that they just don't understand the the plays that are coming in but here's what happens on first down whatever whatever we do whether we run or pass as soon as it's second down we sprint up to the line and we stop and all the players turn around and they look at the sidelines and we wait for 15 15 seconds for the play to come in while this is going on the defense sets up now somebody said I, I i read something on 
uh, a Washington State uh, a Washington State article. They knew the plays. They they knew our plays. And this is something that we heard with Fairchild and with Mike Bobo. And what do all three of the those coaches have in common? All three of them called their own plays, right? And but this happens every time. We just we go up to the line of scrimmage. We wait. We wait. We wait. We look to the sidelines. We wait for the play to come in, and then the play comes in, and the defense is set and they're ready. We don't we don't surprise anybody. I would rather if they all got in a huddle, turned to the sidelines and looked for the play to come in and then sprinted up to the line of scrimmage and then and then snapped it. We, we it's for all this up tempo and high tempo and and, and you know we're going to be running, we're going to be doing this, we're going to be doing this. Somebody said it best, we are a scared raid. This isn't an air raid, we're a scared scared raid. Um Thank you for ever posted that on on the message board today. It got me. Was, it got that was me. good. Um, but but yeah, and and again, we talked about this last week. We we talked about this in the off season. We asked Jay back in February about the play calling on fourth down. We had fourth and one. Clay got under center. Something that you asked Jay specifically about. Why don't we ever have our quarterback go under center? Clay moves under center. We run off tackle and lose three yards. Perfect opportunity to run a sneak right there. Or something quick up the middle. And we <laughs> we do a slow developing play. We lose three yards. They get the ball on their, what, 37 we had the ball in the 34. We lost two yards on the carry. So, oh, yeah. 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 Right. And and what happened? They scored a touchdown on that. Yep. Um, it's just like that right there. The things that we talked about in the offseason. How, how, did, how did that not change? Yeah. Well, so and here's the other thing. I mean, everyone's talking about Clay Millen, the quarterback play. It's not fair to put it all on him. It's he's what in his 11th start, he missed uh, two games last year, three games last year. Was it? I can't remember how many, yeah. but uh, this is about his 11th start. He did. He took a beating last year and he wore it. Like, he kept getting up. He's a tough kid. Same with Saturday. He took some hits and uh, he had his bell rung and he, he wanted to go back in. They showed him. I, I went back and rewatched the second half on, on my DVR and, you know, they showed him he was, he wanted to get back in the game. So he wasn't just uh, pouting over there. He, he wanted to go back in. And I appreciate that. I mean, he's a tough kid, uh, but this position, it demands better play if you want to succeed. And we're, we're seeing at this point, and it's still fairly early in his career, but he just not making decisions quick enough. And it was the one his, the coaches said it all last year. They actually hinted at it a little bit in uh, fall camp. Um, and we saw it Saturday night and, um, you know, he from shotgun, he goes from shotgun um, on the play that he got hit and um, on the the long throw downfield was the one throw we threw like 20 yards all, all night um, with him in there. He, you know, he was in the shotgun. He took like another four step slow drop from there, patted the ball a couple times and finally released it and was too late, got hit. Um on the pick six, we had a, I don't know if it was a poor play design or, or bad routes that we ran. Um, we had two guys within four yards of each other and the linebacker coming over to cover the tight end. Um, Holker, 
was right there to step into the the path of the throw meant for the receiver. Just so I don't know what, what went wrong there, but it was also a bad decision and a bad throw. Um, you know, and his one throw downfield um, is one he got hit on. That was the only one that he actually made an attempt on to throw more than 20 yards. We, we, at this point, we need, we need results. And the coaches, I think can make a statement that it's, it's all about results at this point. And the guys that are executing on the field are the guys that are going to play, you know, is a QB change warranted in, in, at this point, I, it's early, but in my opinion, I think it's worth a shot. I think seasons are too short to wait to, you know, that long to make a change. Um, if you want to give them a start against CU, I'd have a quick hook. <laughs> you know, if you're seeing again, the same old shit that we've been seeing uh, and, and just the lack of a spark, you got to go to the next guy right away. I think you can't wait too long before the game gets out of hand. Um, you know, Clay, Clay broke records for his completion percentage last year, but you know, he's always going to have a good per completion percentage because he, he rarely throws the ball more than 10 yards. And I, part of that is a play calling part of that's him checking down. Sometimes um, I just thought Braden Fowler, Nicolosi got rid of the ball quicker. I felt like he was anticipating receivers rather than waiting until they were wide open. Um, he would take it just a couple steps off out of the shotgun and, and just get rid of it. Uh, I think he's got good zip. He took more shots downfield than Clay did. Um, and you look back, you look back when he came in for clay in the Sacramento state game last year, when clay got hurt, he was only six of uh, 15 passing, but of those six completions, he had 116 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. Millen was seven for seven before getting hurt in that game. And he only threw for 56 yards. It's just, I mean, just an indicative of the dink and dunk that, that clay is accustomed to, um, the, you know, and then the next week Braden goes into the, the Nevada game and he didn't, it was no means the catalyst for that win. He didn't didn't play all that great. He was 11 of 22 for 78 yards. We had ran the ball well that game and had two defensive scores. But regardless, he's got one start under his belt, and he's got a win, a road win, no less. Clay's got uh, two wins and 11 starts. So I, I, you could also look at people have pointed this out. Um, he was not elected as a team captain in his second second year starting quarterback was not elected team captain. What what's what's up with that? Is there something to look into? I don't know, but that is that is eyebrow raising if you ask me. Um, See to, yeah. to me it, it it's not. He's a sophomore. It's his second year in the program. So so I get it. I mean, you look back to you look back to nineteen ninety five. Moses, I mean, it was a combo between Moses and Wilkinson, who who who's the starting quarterback. I don't think that neither one of them were, were the captains on that team. Um, you look to when Colin Hill was a captain, he was a captain and he wasn't starting. And that I heard that was causing some problems within the locker room because it was like, well, Bobo just made him the captain. Why? Well, I, you know. I don't I don't recall if Bobo di did it differently, but on this team, the the teammates vote for it. So exactly, exactly. But I'm just, what I'm saying is he's 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 just a sophomore, and so I don't necessarily think that he should have to be that big of a leader. But you're right as a, as a quarterback, you should be. I mean, you're supposed to be the field general out there leading the offense and and. He's not. You know, we talked about it. We talked about it a lot last year. We talked about it a lot last year with with uh that's a great skull. Love it. 
we we talked about it a lot last year where he took so many sacks you know you got to think if a lot of them were on that line but a lot of them were because he held the ball on i thought our offensive line looked pretty good in pass protection saturday night i really did and yeah so then where is it like you said slow drop back patting the ball waiting waiting for plays to develop as opposed to making the throw and expecting your receivers to be there, which is what Nicolosi Fowler did, you know, and, and the difference. And obviously it's a lot different playing when it's 30 to three as opposed to out of the jump. Yeah, for sure. He also, though, I mean, he also has a little bit more um, agility than Clay does. He moves a little bit better. Um, and that can buy you, even if it buys you a couple extra seconds, it lets you receive it. We have talented receivers. You give them one extra second, two extra seconds, mm-hmm. gives them a chance to get open. You saw Cam Moore just mm-hmm. use and abuse us all day. Yep. And he, he had some pretty good protection all night. Our our vaunted defensive line, our, our front did not get a lot of pressure on him much of the night. But even when we did, he was able to move a little bit, you know, just step out of the pocket and, and, just buy a couple more seconds and just just shred us. Find a find a guy that gets loose from our coverage. I just think our team could really benefit from a guy that can move a little bit more. Um, so you know, you look at Monday's press conference. It sounded pretty certain that uh, Jay Norvell plans to stick with Clay Millen. Um, I'm okay with it if that happens, but again, I think he he better come out and play his best best game. And if we stink it up in the in you know heading into the second quarter and need a spark, you got to make the change. Um, I did see uh, in a podcast today, uh, Chad Savage was asked about, uh, you know, the kind of the quarterback situation. He kind of he kind of said, hey, we're going to take a look at what happens in the next week and a half of practice and see who emerges um, out, of, out of their, their quarterbacks. So um, as much as Jay kind of made it sound like they weren't going to make a change, I think Chad might have leaked that it is an open open competition here, which is kind of nice. Maybe they were just trying to keep that under wraps um, heading into the CU game. But uh, when you listen to Chad Savage in that interview, it's the illegal motion podcast. Um, Someone posted it on the Ram club board, but uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So maybe there is, maybe there's some thought to opening up the, uh, the competition there going into game two. I just also, the other thing with clay body language wasn't great. Um, you know, I thought he was pouting a little bit. Remember the uh, you come out of the come out of the half and hand the ball off twice, and he was just like put his hands up in the air, like "What are we doing?" Um, you don't want to see that from your players. Um, granted, we were all thinking it, but he's got to be the leader out there, right? Um, yeah, so- you got to do that on the sideline. You got to do that with your coach, not in front of everybody. And maybe he's trying to stick up for his team. Maybe he's trying to stick up for his receivers, like. We have this talent. Why are we doing this? But you're right. You can't. You can't do it like the way that he did it. Um, and you wonder if if he's if he's gun shy right now. He he took a beating last year. Yeah. And you got to wonder how much that has played, like mentally, to him. Where is it something that he can overcome? I I don't know. It did not look like it on Saturday night. Well, the other interesting stuff that came out of uh, the Monday press conference was Jay Norvell saying that he uh, puts a lot of the blame on himself for the play calling. He was conservative. He said it was part of, you know, 
seeing what happened last year um, and as well as having so many new parts uh, in the offense and, and on the team, he he wanted to play it a little conservative and not, uh, he wanted to limit the mistakes early in the game. And so basically he went into the game playing scared and, and calling the game scared. And when you're court, when your coach, and it's probably why you saw Clay frustrated, but when your coach has that mentality, your team's going to take cues from it. Like if, if he's lacking confidence in you, then you're going to lack confidence in yourself. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's a total, total, I hate to even do the comparison. Uh, I hate it, but it's what's all in our face right now, but it's that was that the performance and the, the way that they went into that game and the mentality is 180 degrees opposite of what we saw out of the team from Boulder. And I don't want to talk about them much, but that team hit on all cylinders with 80 new guys on the roster. Their offense came out and was explosive. Their offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis had them humming. They were aggressive. They took shots downfield. And that was against a team that was much more uh, athletic um, and probably a better team than Washington state, the team that was in the national championship game last year. And now they're the talk of the country. And meanwhile, we are already irrelevant this season. And many of our own fans have jumped off the bandwagon. Well, first of all, I, I think TCU was overrated last year. I know they were runner up. They didn't win the, the big 12. We got to remember they didn't win the big 12 last year. Kansas okay. state. They, fine. That's, they, I mean, that's a good football team. But, and it was on the road. It, exactly. But I'm just saying, I don't, I don't think that, that's, it's not the same team as last year either. Uh, I think losing their quarterback to the NFL, I think that's that plays huge. But anyway, the the thing that – I mean, you just said it. Coach Norvell took a lot of the blame. I read a Washington State article yesterday or on Sunday. Our first series, we had seven, seven plays for 55 yards. Our next seven series – we had either 21 or 22 plays. We went three and out on almost all seven of those for like 70 yards total. It's embarrassing. And, and, and you go back to you go back to Fairchild, you go back to Bobo. We always looked really good that first series. Why? Because they had it scripted. They had like the first 10, 15 plays scripted and and they're, I mean, these guys are smart. They are very smart football-wise. And when you have time to scheme, when you when you have those 10, 10 to 15 plays, you're going to be able to pretty much dissect the team that you're playing with that. But then after that, you have to you have to worry about what's going on on special teams. You have to worry about what's going on on, on defense. You have to worry about your substitutions, who's going in, who's, who's coming out. You got to worry about players that are getting hurt. And if you have to sit there and, and make a call as well, like I just talked about, I mean, it's 50, it's a 15 second process every time. That means that you're having to sit there and then, Oh, I have to make that play call and then make that play call. And, and I think that that's a big reason why we're seeing such long stretches of absolutely nothing on offense, just like we saw long stretches of absolutely nothing on offense from Mike Bobo, especially after the first quarter. Why we saw so many long stretches on offense under Steve Fairchild after that first quarter. And, and, we, and we're seeing it again. Um, 
And if everything else is hitting, you know what? It, you know, calling your own plays works. If you have an NFL quarterback, an NFL tight end, an NFL receiver, it works when you call your own. When you have a strong defense, it works if you're calling the offensive plays. If you don't have that and you have to worry about all that other stuff, I don't know. We're we're not seeing it working. I just don't understand how he could have had that mentality, especially when he he you mentioned it. He talked about the weapons we have and what a different offense is going to be, and then he goes into the game calling the game conservatively, you know, Nevada fans, that was one of the things that they said was, you know, good luck with the in-game coaching. We had concerns with some of the decisions and play calling last year. Now you go into a season opener against a team that you need full offensive firepower against, and you come out conservative. And I thought old Ram Nation or Ram Smith on Twitter summed it up actually pretty well. Uh, he said, limiting opportunity for failure is limiting opportunity. And uh, that's exactly. It's a pretty, pretty, he's right on. And um, I I just, I just couldn't believe, okay. So as bad as the first half was you, your defense actually kept you in it with a couple huge stops, one goal line stand. And uh, you come out in the second half, you have a new life and you come out and you hand the ball off twice up the middle. That was the statement we wanted to make. And then you just give the ball. And then obviously on third down, they're pinning their ears back because they know we got to throw the ball and they freaking demolish clay for a loss of 16 or something like that. Yep. And then the next drive, there's the pick six game over. So just, you come out scared, you come out not to lose and you get blasted. So that was, I mean, I was just beside myself. I'm just, I'm kind of beside myself with how flat the team was. And I don't know if that's like, it's easy to say that, but you know, I sit front row, we sit right there on behind the bench and uh, they're just, it's just missing a spark, man. Um, I, I don't know what it is. There's just something. And then certain, maybe it's because things went bad so fast that, you know, they're already, we're having those thoughts of here we go again. And it's hard to, hard to get up when you're, you're down 14 to three, just off, just like that. You know, I, so I get that, but there was some infighting going on. Uh, some of the offensive linemen were yelling at each other and uh it was you know i was just like i cannot believe this is happening so quick so early in this game we're already in fighting and, and there we're have no life on the sidelines but what uh so speaking of the defense uh keeping you in, in the first half they were bad in the second half man but uh they were they were put in a pretty bad spot all game you know because the offense was horrible they were on the defense the entire first half and even when, remember, you get the kickoff return to start the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, you're thinking, okay, maybe we can make a little run here if your defense gets a gets a quick stop, and you let them march right down the field for a touchdown. And you know, you think about that though. They had just been on the field. Then there's a kickoff return, so they didn't get any rest there, and they're back on the field again. And they've been on the field the whole game. So, I think part of it is that. But there were a heck of a lot of blown assignments on. You know, that we weren't getting any pressure. Uh, from our stars on the defensive line. I thought Jack Howell struggled a little bit. He had some major screw-ups where his guy was open. Aiden Hector, I thought, didn't he had a subpar game, if you ask me, especially in a game when he probably wanted to show something against his former team. A um, couple good stops at the goal line, um, or a couple good stops, one at the goal line, uh, one on fourth down in the third quarter, which um, you know gave you a little bit of life. Uh, I remember, was it... Uh, who was the, the the linebacker uh, who who had a chance at a pick pick six? I mean, yep. 
Was it Sanchez? Yeah. I think, yeah, that sounds right. But he, uh, I mean, that was one that hit his hands um, and that would have been to the house. Uh, and then we had a third and 16 where we're getting ready to get off the field and uh, a Washington state player pile drives Kobe Johnson into the ground and it should have been a automatic first down. And then next thing you know, they, they said it was offsetting each way. And I didn't see, I did not see us retaliate, but we must've done something. So that just a stupid, stupid retaliation. If we really did deserve it, because that just cost us getting the ball back on a, uh, you yep. know, when, uh, when we had a, it was going to be fourth and 16 and we got a, we got a break, we got a roughing, you know, a roughing call and would have been a first down for us. So anyway, then the, there's a remember the sack on fourth down uh, fumble and uh, one of our guys just goes and just jumps on it. And when you're down by 30 something points in the third quarter, <laughs> maybe try to pick that thing up and run it for a touchdown. Like I just, there's like oh. a, Oh, something missing. You should, you should know that, but they are, we, they are so taught. If you don't have that initial, if you don't have that initial step, thinking about it like as an outfielder in baseball. If you don't have that initial step, you're supposed to fall on it. You know, I, I talked about the offense and how we go up to the line of scrimmage and we turn and look and we wait and we wait and we wait. If you I'm I'm not a rewatch guy. I don't I don't like doing that at all. But if you if you were paying attention or if you rewatched it or if you're gonna rewatch it, how many times did on first down did we hold him to a short gain, maybe even a loss. And then they rush up to the line of scrimmage and snap it for the next play. How many times were our players just not even close to being set? You talked about how many times, like we were just out of position all the time, especially in the secondary. But I mean, you watch you. I mean, I think if you watch our edge rushers, they weren't they weren't positioned to be where they were they weren't where they were supposed to be on that outside. And so many times, how many how many big second down uh plays did they have? Or how many times did they pick it up on third down? Doing the same thing. You know, we get a second down, we stop them. Our guys aren't set when they snap it. And that was really upsetting to me. That means that we weren't either getting our our, our defensive calls in in time or we just were tired or just lackadaisical and getting set in, in, I get it. We talked about this. It is so hard when you're on the defensive side, again, seven straight possessions where we had almost all three and outs that weighs on you as a defense, but that's job, yeah. you know, that's your job. You got to get set and you got, you got to be ready. And, and we didn't do that. We did not do that. And as, as much as I think Freddie Banks is probably the best coach on our staff, that message was lost somewhere on Saturday. There were, uh, I thought that a couple other things that sucked were Gaffney, on a drop cost us a, a first down and that, you know, when we really needed one, uh, that didn't help. Tori uh, was not, not really separating himself out there. Um, I also saw him give a, 
first down sign when we were down like four touchdowns. I'm like, dude, you're team leader, team leader, man. We we don't need that. All right. Uh, and then I saw, I saw Lewis Brown do it down four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And I'm like, come on. I mean, what are we doing? Um, anyway, that, well, that, that, that kind of stuff just ticks me off. It just, well, I was already in a bad mood and to see that, you know, just, just. With, with, did that in the third quarter to me, that was trying to get the team into it. It was, it was different than Bowda. Oh, uh, when Bowda did it, when we were down 20 freaking million touchdowns to the bus. And it was, battle, was like, battle. He'll always have, the, that'll be the meme. And, you can't really like see you always show that and there's nothing we can say about it because it was just exactly. a moment so i didn't you know i it, you would text me that didn't bother me that much because again to me that felt like he was really trying to get the team into it because again we have beaten washington state when we were down by four touchdowns before in our history so who knows maybe he was just trying to get him get everybody back into it and <sighs> well the um it, what, what just ticks you off and we've we've kind of touched on this but and we've been talking about it in the last few days but just the not not seeing any improvement really um across the board there was some 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 perspectives of the team uh aspects of the team the line i thought did some things um a couple individual players but overall it was uninspiring the loss is one thing being completely uncompetitive with very little creativity in the offense and very little emotion. Uh, it was just flat out off of the watch. Um, and, uh, you know, I actually am embarrassed to say this, but my wife and daughters who were just bored to tears and frustrated by the game, they're like, let's leave at the end of the third quarter. And I didn't have a leg to stand on. I'm like, I can't, I really can't beg us to stay for what I'm witnessing here. So we left. We you didn't want to stay for Canvas Chaos? Uh, we left right when Canvas Chaos was reigning supreme. And uh, I just, that's just another fiasco. But we did leave. And the, on the positive note, went to Ginger and Baker, which was spectacular as always. Ate at the <laughs> cafe. I had the meatloaf, Mike. My wife had the mac and cheese. Daughter had the chicken pot pie. And my other daughter had the Angus New York strip. So, um all as I listened to the fourth quarter from my phone <laughs> and uh, we actually came to life from there. So I think there's something to be said about ginger and Baker that the comfort food lifts my spirits and uh, family had a great time as we always do there. I encourage our fans to stop in for a meal either at the cafe or the cash or check out one of their amazing event spaces, the rooftop, the mill top, the wine cellar, uh, register for one of their amazing cooking classes in the teaching kitchen, check out gingerandbaker.com slash calendar for a full list of events, I'm telling you guys, it's a first class experience. You'll love it. Support our friend Ginger Graham and our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. Well, I'll, I'll say this. You say that you left. I stayed. I actually stayed until the final play. One of the differences with, with Nicolosi Fowler, he started going after our, our, our weapons. Tory started getting more involved in the game. Holker started getting, I mean, that touchdown that he caught was, that was uh, Trey McBride-esque. He one-handed, off-balance, fallen down, just bear-hooked it out of the freaking sky and still got one foot in uh, for that touchdown. We started seeing that in the fourth quarter. And again, it's, a, it's different whenever, you, you know, you're playing from way behind. 
But I, I, I liked our special teams. We had the freaking 98, 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. I haven't seen speed like that. I think that was Kobe Johnson, right, that that scored on that. I mean, he, he was gone. Like, you could see it from where we were at in the coach's terrace. He burst up the middle, and I was like, he's not getting touched, and he didn't. I mean, he he just flew flew down there. Patty, Patty Turner averaged, what, 48 yards a, a kick, and they let him kick. They let him punt. Um, he still had there, – there were still some situations where they had him – rolling out with that with that rugby style punt but but they let him just boot it something yeah. that we had seen for a while and then you know the last one uh we had a kicker nail one from deep we haven't seen that for a long time so i do want to end that part on a positive note i thought our special teams was much improved yeah yeah, I, I mean, there, there were, there were some, some things, um, particularly in the fourth, which I didn't see until I watched the, the game, on the DVR. But uh, I, I think those things, I, in general, even if we didn't, kind of pull it together there in the fourth quarter, I think that we all kind of need to calm down a little bit, um, with the doom, the, the doom and gloom, and, and the sky is falling because it is one game. Um, you see it all the time where you think a team is awful because of the way they played in game one. Uh, and it turns out the other team just is actually pretty damn good. And you, maybe you caught them on a good day and you had a, a somewhat of an off day. Um, I think the same could be said for CU, um, you know, as good as they looked against TCU, they could come back, back down to earth a little bit against Nebraska this week. So it's one game so far. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to suck all year. Um, I do expect we'll, get drastically better with every game. Uh, it's just, you look at the prospect of an 0 and two start, which would include a loss to your hated rival again. Um, and then you have to go on the road to middle Tennessee and you're looking at a, pre a pretty realistic shot at 0 and three before coming home on ag day to play Utah tech. And you could have lost all the fan base by then. So that that sucks. But I think um, like you said, I think the offensive line did some good things. I mean, when you compare it to last year, geez, what do we have one sack? I think we had maybe yeah. one holding penalty and I think we had maybe one offsides. And so that, that actually was solid. And we didn't really, we didn't really run the ball very well, but um, if you freaking can move the ball downfield through the air a little bit, it's going to help out your running game. And oh, yeah. just, we just didn't hit enough shots downfield to do that. Um, I thought, as we talked about, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi looked pretty good. Um, Jordan Ross Simmons, Nice to see him get behind the secondary for a long touchdown. Dallin Holker's catch, as, as you said, was ridiculous. Kobe Johnson's kick return shows he's explosive. He's going to be a weapon. Um, and then the kicker, Jordan Noyes, made his field goal. Um, that was no chippy, right? So he made that. Uh, that was, you know, if you miss that, then you're you're already feeling pretty awful about yourself uh, to start <laughs> the season. Uh, he made his extra points, kicked the ball out of the end zone regularly. And then you mentioned Patty Turner. Uh, and we scored 24 points. I know people have noted that. That's the first time we've scored more than 20 points in uh, the Jay Norvell era. I will counter that by saying seven was on special teams. So only 17 of those points came on offense. And we did have a pick six go the other way. So really it was kind of a net plus 10 on offense. <laughs> Not the best. But, um, you know, and I, I, 
I, while I thought the defensive line was underwhelming, uh, I think Mo had a sack, but we did, we did not get to the quarterback much, but I did like seeing towards the end of the game, Kennedy uh, McDowell mayhem came in at, at the left defensive end spot for a couple of plays. He nearly got a sack. He forced an incomplete pass in the flat. Uh, he was fast, man. He just blew right by his, his guy. Um, he needs to put on weight. He's a little thin, but you can tell he's going to be good. Um, I thought there were a couple uh, really good um, posts on the Ram club message board, some good, bad, and ugly posts. One was by Bighorn sheep. The other was from running Ram. They both had some good points. One of the observations that Bighorn sheep made uh, Tyler made um, was that he didn't like that Avery Morrow got the start. I kind of agree with him there. Um, I'm not sure what that really says to your team. A guy that missed a significant portion of what he missed all spring. And then he missed missed the chunk of fall camp, um, you know, for his role in beating someone up and uh, on campus. And he was anointed the starter. I just thought that that was an opportunity to give it to Kobe Johnson and, you know, say, look, you, you, there's consequences. Um, You earn your way back in. Uh, But I I don't know. I don't know what kind of, statement that makes to the team. Uh, I thought that, uh, that um, he, he also called out Tory Horton for not, not getting open and creating separation. I thought running Ram had a comment about uh, going forward on fourth and one from on 34. Um, you mentioned this earlier, but uh, just the, the handoff up the middle that had no chance the slow developing play. I just, you know, what was Jay doing there? A lot of head scratching play, play calling last year and decisions to just the decision to go for it on your own 34 yard line when we weren't really moving the line of scrimmage uh, and you're down 14 to three. I know it was starting to feel bleak at that point, but why compound the, the issue by giving them the ball at their own 30 yard line at your own 30 yard line? I just feel like Jay sometimes makes some emotional decisions that don't necessarily make sense, but uh, yeah. So some some a few good things that we saw, but really a lot of bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you covered it. You covered it. A lot of bad. Um, nowhere to go but up, right? Yeah. Uh, it sucks that our next up is supposed to come against that team down south from Fort Collins. Well, there's um, no 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 better way to uh, get people back on the bandwagon than to beat them that would just bring everybody back right um, yep. that's going to take at this point just looks like it's going to take a miracle but i mean come on Wait, let's let's see what happens with this week's game first and then you know I, i'm not giving up hope um i just you know our fans look be pissed be pissed freaking vent of course vent but come on let's 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 calm down with being pricks and ripping on our fellow fans for being fans and trying to look at positives and trying to look at reasons why, you know, we shouldn't bail on the season already. And and if you, if God forbid you say something positive, you get shredded and uh, Twitter has been a cesspool as well. Don't go after coaches, wives and, and stuff like that. Um, and then Todd Romero, who, you know, he's a guy that coached our, ho- our uh, hosted our coaches show with Sonny way back. And he's always kind of, as a former media member, he was always a, a guy that talked to CSU and he's always been a supporter of CSU, but he, you know, he's at his wits end too. He went off this weekend. Obviously he was pissed, but he tagged Jack Howell and Tory Horton in a tweet, you know, saying that if he was them, he would transfer. And that's not a cool thing to do. So I think everyone's just losing it, man. Rightfully so we're losing it. 
but uh, being a dick like that is is unacceptable. And I just challenge our fans to be above some of this stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. I'm not perfect. I've made comments. Kevin Coonan got pissed at me last year because I made a joke to him and Kevin Lytle on Twitter about when your quarterback tries to hold it for 20 seconds, you get sacked 20, 20 times a game. And they thought that was a cheap shot. It was a joke, <laughs> but, you know, I deleted it. I apologized. You know, it's there. I'm not perfect, but, uh, but yeah, some it's, but it's understandable. We've been so we're looking at everything that's going on in college football, college athletics right now. And we are screwed because we have been so bad since 2017, since 2018, we have had 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And now we come out in 23 when, all we're doing is talking about, well, we're going to be in the Pac-12, even this rebuilt Pac-12, and then we come out and just look like absolute garbage. Um, that said, I'll tell you what, I, for whatever reason, because I, I really don't watch a lot of other college football besides CSU and, and some Wisconsin, but I actually watched, I watched a few of these our Mountain West games, and I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> I don't think Fresno's going to be pretty good. Fresno's going to be pretty good. But I don't think that there's just that world beater out there. Uh, you know, Air Force played, I don't know, Robert Morris, a cigarette company, right? <laughs> you know, they played them. But, you know, I've, I've watched part of the San Diego State games. Their, their offense is horrible. Their offense is horrible. They barely beat a, a – FCS and not even a, a great FCS team uh, well, shouldn't have beat shouldn't have beat Ohio the week before you know Boise State got their shit pushed in by Washington uh, San San Jose State same with them against Oregon State so I, but but to me I mean I see your point but I don't want our success to be because everyone else in our conference sucks I want actually a good product to watch and we're not getting that. Um, <laughs> And, and, hey, I'll take anything, though. <laughs> well, that's true. At this point, we'll just take some wins. But, you know, Joe Parker, who we have on once a month, and he he's always challenging the fans, and he challenges us. He's like, you know, we could could use your help, Joel and Mike, to, to bring some people to the games and get people excited. And, you know, you do that. But, Joe, the product is is continuing to be crappy, and it's hard to get these people to want to come back. And you, you had – 10,000 plus students there. They were there at the beginning of the game rocking and where we fell short was the alumni. The alumni have just, I think they're just so sick of it. that We couldn't get to the sellout point, but you know, we're seeing is it's not just the loss, right? It's, it's how bad the the product was. And, and because it's so not, it's not even just not entertaining. It's actually makes you angry. Uh, that's how bad <laughs> it is. Um, but that's going to, you're not going to see the students continue to come back very much longer with if that's the product and they have got to start doing their part on the field they really have to and you know and I, I want to bring up this point and, and it's the product across the board now i was told today by somebody on the message board that i have my head so far up joe's ass and that i'm a self self-admitted bootlicker um <laughs> 
there were so many things that I was not happy with our athletic department going into last from all of last week. Now, is it the freaking worst thing in the world about the freaking ticket ticker? No, but you know what? That is something that is so easy to do. It was stuck on 6,105 for like five days. Like I looked on the, on the drive up on, on Friday, on Saturday, it still said 6,105 tickets unsold, right? Dude, my freaking elementary school, we have put tickers on that work that, that, that are continuously working that are continuously showing updated, whatever. It's not one of your interns updated every day. It's not that hard. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's not hard. You have a social media person that that can be taken care of the t- uh, tickets. I had multiple people text me saying that they tried to buy tickets and the site wasn't working that they would log in, they would pull up tickets and then they would get timed out or they would go to the link and it would, wouldn't allow them to even pull up inventory to pick sit to pick seats. So you have somebody, you know, we talked about that, you know, your acquaintances or whatever who, who want to get involved, who, who maybe this is the one game this year that they can go to. And they're having to jump over hurdles to try to get it. That that should not be happening. And, and it did. My brother-in-law, I transferred his tickets to him. It told him that he was restricted and wasn't allowed to do it. I don't even know how that is freaking possible. When I gave the tickets to his nephew, he pulled them up immediately. This tailgate contest. I tried to enter last week. And I had pulled it up went to pay timed out you know it was during the school day so i'm like all right i'll wait pulled up the link again said it was broken tried it again went back to it same thing timed out how many other people you know i'm sure i could have probably text somebody and and made sure that we were on that but how many other people who don't have the option that i do do that and get frustrated and walk away from it. And then we get 22 whole entries and half the people didn't even get judged. No one knew what was going on. They weren't given instructions like, well, this is a time that where judges are going to be coming through on this and this and this Friday, they sent out a tweet. They sent out uh, some social media saying that dude, dad, whatever the hell that is. Uh, Tom Hilbert and two Broncos cheerleaders were going to be the were going to be the judges. They never came down our row at all. That's and fine. I, I didn't realize that, but I did see Tom Hilbert on a golf cart or a gator riding with a couple people. I'm like, hey, there's Tommy Hilbert. I had no idea he was a judge, but he bypassed. I he definitely drove right by you guys. So yeah, um, the, the green bus. You talk to them. Yeah, Shane and, and Nate. They spent $1,500 extra on this to have it catered by Canes, to have it uh, – to they had face painters. They had bracelets for everybody. They spent a ton of money, and no one came by. Our friends Tony and, and – Shelly. Shelly Mango, they did a ton. They're in the, they're in the uh, Lori Student Center lot. 
and I saw their setup. It was awesome. No one came. Shout out to my wife. Shout out to BC Johnson's mom and, and our friend Keith's wife, Tracy, the two Tracys. They knocked out over 200 pizzas at the tailgate. That was incredible. No one, no one came through. No one came through. And then transport. Something that our athletic department should have made sure was going to work. The max line was supposed to stay open for an hour after the game. It was closed. A ton of people, I, I say a ton, people couldn't get home or they had to Uber or they had to walk because the max line wasn't working. The intersection at, at Drake and, and or Prospect and Shields, one, one thing went out the day of the game. How was that not something that was being led every day? Hey, here's updates. The city's hoping it's getting done. We are working with the city. Hopefully it's done by Saturday. And it wasn't. These are these are little things that when we're told constantly, we need to buy in. Hey, Mike, Joel, get people there. These are things that make people not want to come. Yeah. Well, I don't want to pile on. There's a lot of things that they're not small things either. Those are and they're not things that are hard to fix. But here's one that for me. So after. You know, I bought probably, I think, eight tickets. And actually even had Rob give me a pair for free. Um, this, this shout out to Graham. Yep. And then, um, Dwayne, Dwayne pool, um, bought a bunch of tickets to give away on behalf of Ram nation to Brady hall for his show. Uh, cause he wanted to do his part to help fill the stadium, which is awesome. I had a couple friends like a day before the game. Hey, do you have any extra tickets? I'm like, no, I have given, you know, bought a ton and I've given them away already. Um, and then I'm, you know, I just like, let me, let me just look and, you know, just was going to get on the ticket site one more time. And I'm like, shit, I mean, there's nothing cheaper than, you know, once you add on the the fee and all that stuff, you're, you're over 50 bucks, 60 bucks for a ticket. And you're in the, you're up, you're upstairs. You're in the crappiest seat. And I just think that there's a overvalue, <laughs> Uh, we're just thinking that there's, I, I don't, I don't see that product being worth that ticket price. Um, so I, I couldn't justify buying any more tickets to give away to my friends. I had already, you know, given away enough. And I just, if there were, is there a section that they can make, you know, there's 20, 25 bucks. Yes. God dang it. That would make it so much easier for me to do that for my neighbor who would like to come up for the Aztec game later this year and uh because he's a Aztec alum and I would love to just do that for him but I'm not going to spend an extra 60 bucks a ticket for that like he's gonna have to buy that himself <laughs> you know and um I just I just I don't know I, so I don't want to pile on but that's it's just that's kind of stuff that I, I don't understand especially when we're this bad it once there's a once we're selling out and the tickets are harder to come by increase the price but let's get the damn place full first and no matter how cheap the tickets are, the product's going to have to be better. So um, anyway, you, you mentioned uh, Kim Norvell stopped by the game at after, or stopped by your tailgate after the game. Uh, how, how'd that go? You know, I, 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 I love Kim. You know, I, I, I talked to her, actually stopped by the wives tailgate, um, said hi to her and talked to her for a while. But after the game, uh, my sister and brother-in-law, they left. They went. To, they just went to the coolers and hung out for the entire fourth quarter because they were so done. 
but we came back and we're packing and, and, and she's walking and you can just tell how much it's weighing on her. She just came up and she's like, I'm sorry. And we gave each other a big hug. And I'm like, you don't need to apologize for anything, Kim. You're not the one on the field. You're not the one calling the plays. Yell at your husband. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I didn't say that, but, but you know, it is weighing on her and, and everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to win. And there's, we can be upset. There's just a, maybe a better way to go about it. For sure. Well, I will say it was a, a great tailgate you had, by the way. Um, you know, a lot of great Ram Nationers there. Saw Susie Wardian and Mike Best, her husband there again. Um, Cooter met for the first time. That was awesome. Marty Lenz was there as always. Um, so it was just great. Everyone was in such a good mood. We were so excited for football, so excited for the season to start. And then the game happened as always. But, um, you know, we'll talk <laughs> We'll talk more about this CU game uh, next week, but um, you know what? Uh, just real quick, what what are you wanting to see us do and work on in practice the next week and a half? And what do we need to do better in that game to have a chance? We got to be up tempo. You know, I, I we we had the game on at our at our tailgate, and and I mean CU barely gets set. Like uh, when they're on offense, it's it's they plays over they sprint boom snap we have to get we have to be ready on defense because they play fast and they play faster than washington state who played fast we didn't handle that very well no so that we have to make that adjustment freddie banks has to have those guys ready because it's going to be a track meet it's going to be a track meet and they have speed that tiny tiny running back uh I don't want to even know their name, so I don't care. But that <laughs> running back, I mean, that game-winning touchdown, he, he literally just flew by him. He should have yeah. been tackled for a loss on the flat, and he just blew by him. And TCU's known for their speed. Um, on offense, we have to play faster. Uh, I don't think that their defense is that good. I thought TCU uh, – I mean, they made two huge picks in the, in the end zone – but that game could have been a completely different story without those two picks. TCU was able to move the ball. We can't play conservative. We have to. We have to go after them. CU went from a, what, they were eight-and-a-half-point underdogs versus Nebraska in late August. So, like I saw, that like August 24th, so a week before the games kicked off. Now they are minus three. So that, that thing has swung 11-and-a-half points. And CU is minus three now. That's just an incredible swing. Uh, the whole world is ready to give Dion a reach around. And uh, everyone's talking about how the buffs are going to going to be national champs. So, uh, you know, the public money is going to pound CU in that game. It's one I'm watching. If, if just out of principle, I'm going to need to go opposite of the public and take the big red and the points in that game. Just, just at a, it just looks too juicy. Like why as good as they looked and as bad as Nebraska looked, <laughs> I mean, everyone, it just seems too logical to take the buffs and just lay in three there. I think I think Nebraska will come ready to play, and I think CU is going to come back down on earth a little bit. But uh, I'll, I'll be in Boulder. Naramska's going the game. Uh, yep. I'm going to tailgate with him, and then me and one buddy, I'm probably going to go to the Dark Horse to watch, to watch it. I'll be in red. Well, good for you, and uh, let's come up with a plan. I, 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 I've lost my – 
I lost my game goer, my buddy, to uh, the CU game. So uh, I'm I'm recruiting a, a partner for that game, and I know you're going. So let's let's go together because I don't want to be like I, I need a I need a posse of people. I don't want to get my my butt kicked down there by a bunch of lunatic buff students. But um, anyway, keep you posted. Yeah, sounds good. Hey, by the way, big thanks to CSU Ramzone, powered by CSU Bookstore. They became our new sponsor of the Ram Nation contests all year long. We were actually on the cusp of not even having a contest here for the first time in 24 years. I heard from Shields a week before kickoff saying they weren't going to be able to, to give us the same number of gift cards and the dollar amounts that they did the previous year. And thus, we weren't going to be able to really offer a very cool contest. So, uh, made a last ditch effort to John Perry at the CSU Ram Zone. It proved fruitful, and I can't thank him enough for keeping this tradition going. They're providing weekly $25 gift cards for our weekly pickums, plus $300 to our season champ, $150 to second place, $75 to third. And they'll do those same amounts for our bowl pickum uh, in December and our March Madness bracket contest in March. So um, it's awesome. It's awesome to be affiliated with them. Uh, there's no better collection of CSU gear anywhere. Um, then the CSU Ram Zone. It's inside the CSU Bookstore in the Lori Student Center. And of course, you can shop online at csuramzone.com. If you're if you're in the market for CSU apparel, look no further than CSU Ram Zone. I just want to say this. My kid just asked me when we're going to go on to the next tailgate. So not, ever, not everybody has completely given up. <laughs> Keep the faith. Something good's going to happen. Let's keep our heads up, Ram fans. Let's hope our team shows some resolve and takes a giant leap in game two. We'll talk more about it next week. For Mike Rowe, I'm Joel Kennel Thanks for listening. Just waking up in the morning, got a